Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I'm still a medical doctor simultaneously trying to pursue a career in acting. If you're watching this on YouTube, it's looking a little dark in my studio right now. That's because it's dark outside. It's very late at night, which is not usually when I do any of my recordings, but I'm recording this kind of last minute because it's been a very busy but extremely fun uh, weekend weekend. Last weekend, I went down to Toronto and was invited to an industry Christmas party, which was my first ever industry Christmas party. And it was really, really fun. It was hosted by none other than the incredible Jen Scott, who was a guest on my podcast, episode eight. She's listed as Jen Gardner, but her stage name now is Jen Scott. It was the first time I got to meet her in person. There is nothing better, honestly, in this crazy world the last two years than meeting people who you've been virtually chatting with, learning about, getting to know, becoming friends with over the last two years, finally meeting them in person. Not only did I meet Jen, again, check out her episode, she's cake decorator turned actor, episode number, oh wait, no, sorry, she's episode 16. (gasps) Naughty Janet. I already gave it away, but the other person that I met this weekend at this party is Sarah Cleveland from episode 8. Correction, Jen, who hosted the party, is episode 16, and then I also got to meet the incredible Sarah Cleveland from episode number eight. What a absolute joy. Again, these people I've never met before in real life, but we met in real life and I feel like I've known them forever. I feel like I'm on an episode of Love is Blind, where you're meeting people for the first time, but you already know what they look like and act like and sound like, and it's just fantastic. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but actors and creatives and artists truly are some of the most incredible people I've ever met in a really long time. And hanging out with people who love acting, love what we're doing, as actors in Toronto and around the world and are excited about what we're doing as a community all together and uplifting each other. I mean, that's what happened this weekend and it was just incredible. So cheers, everybody. My guest this week is Jackie Maloney. Jackie is from Australia. So she is an Australian actress and voiceover art- artist, as well as a acting coach and kind of life coach, business coach, public speaking coach. She comes from a career in business. And, you know, I did the classic thing of being told you need to go get a real job, Jackie, and uh, went into business, but then really felt that pull to get back into acting, which she did when she was younger. She actually went from a small town in Australia all the way to the Big Apple to train in acting. So she talks about her time training in New York and now back in Australia as an actress. So this is a really interesting episode for those of you interested in the film industry in Australia, which just like Canada during the pandemic saw a huge spike in amount of projects being filmed in our respective countries. So very exciting for her film industry, very exciting for our industry, of course, as well. She and I have a fantastic conversation about pressures from family, learning how to communicate through conflict, her hilarious first ever job, which was on a KFC commercial. (laughs) I cannot wait for you to hear this story. Please enjoy the incredible Jackie Maloney. Tell me your story. How did you get into acting? I 
My parents will tell you that I came out acting from the womb. Um, I was always singing and dancing and putting on little shows for whoever wanted to watch or didn't want to watch. And I did it through primary school and high school. Our schooling system was slightly different in terms of what we call it over here. Um, But always did, you know, speech and drama lessons and extra voice lessons outside of normal school curriculum. And then it was sort of one of those things that was encouraged to find a proper career after we finished high school. So when we go off to university and I was devastated and I really didn't, I wasn't ready to give it up yet, but there was just this pressure that said, look, let's just get you something that's going to be stable. And it's security is basically what was wanted for me, which I totally understand looking back at it now. And it was just one of those things that I really wish I had learned how to communicate better as a younger person to be able just to explain my situation, how I was feeling about things, my desires for career, etc. And I just didn't, and I didn't do that. So I, you know, I always read stories about other actors who, you know, they moved to LA when they were 16 because their parents supported them wanting to be an actor. And I'm just like, oh my God, who are these parents? That's amazing. Um, but yeah, I kind of did the university thing here and I moved from where I am in Perth in Australia over to Sydney and then I just, I did a part-time acting course. And from then I was just hooked and I just went, you know what, I'm going to do this. Otherwise I'm going to regret it. So did that for six months, moved to New York and studied with some incredible acting coaches over there. And then that was it. And so it's been almost 10 years of uh, studying and working in the industry. And yeah, that's where I'm at now. And you do a lot of not just acting, but voiceover as well too, hey? Yeah, absolutely. So I got into voiceover probably about three or four years ago now, and it was just a great substitute for income for me as an actor. So in between those jobs, Mm. you know, it's just, it's so easy to jump into a recording booth and, you know, do a jingle for an ad here and there. And, you know, they pay, they can pay incredibly well for Sometimes I've been in the booth for 20 minutes and it's an ad that rolls over and you're just like, this is amazing. And it is a skill set, absolutely a skill set. It was definitely something on top of acting that I was just like, yeah, I'm an actor. Of course I can be a voiceover artist. No, there is still a whole nother, you know, there was coaching that needed to happen and I had to learn on the job and fail on the job to know exactly where I sat Mm -hmm. and then I just had to work at it. And so... But it's been great. I love it. I did one just on Friday. So it was really great. Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) So take me back to when you moved to Sydney and took that part-time acting class. What kind of triggered in your brain to say, I want to do this? Like, was there something that happened that said, I got to get going on this again? Yeah. So... We had a, an, a teacher in the class and he didn't, he did the first sort of half of the six months and then he was given a role back in New Zealand, which is where he was from. So he moved back. But in the couple of months that we had him, he had said he'd studied in America with these two particular teachers. And so one was Elizabeth Kemp and the other one was Susan Batson. And he said both of those women just opened his eyes to what acting actually was. And I'd forgotten those names. 
And so I went to the front office of this school and I said, look, I can I get in touch with him? I know he's away and he's working. And they said, look, we can't hand out email addresses or phone numbers. And I was like, that's totally fair. Uh, they said, but we do have another coach on staff that has also trained in, um, in America. So we'll give you her details. And so the moment that I sat down with Jen, um, I will remember the order that we ordered. And this is like, you know, 12, 13 years ago now. I remember exactly what we ordered at this cafe in Bondi. And she said, you need to go to America and study with these women. And I was like, okay. And then that was it. And it was just, I don't know what it was. We're still best friends to this day. And she's just been an incredible, not only friend, but teacher as well. And she's the sole reason why I'm still doing this. So it just, it just takes that one person to say something to you and you're just like, yeah, of course. I don't know you, but of course I have to do that. <laughs> yeah. And so what, what triggered the, I keep using the word triggered, but That's okay. I mean, the shift, to, the shift to go from, yeah, to get that kind of fire reign, reignited, but to kind of have to, oh, I don't like saying this, but like to turn off that bit of like the sensible, sensible part of the brain to say, you know what, I, I need to pursue this. I need to head on over to New York and do this. That takes a lot of of guts because I don't think there's many people who would do that. They'd say, yeah, yeah, sounds nice. Wouldn't that be great? Somebody else I'm sure will be really good at that. But what did you do to kind of say, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. I've got the guts. I'm going to do it. I have to admit, I think age was definitely on my side because at 24, 25, I thought I knew everything. And (laughs) so I think that was really, if you'd asked me to do it now, oh my God, there's obviously so much that's happened in life and where I'm at in my life. And it would be so much harder to make that jump for sure. Um, But I think, you know, hindsight's obviously a beautiful thing. And there's so much of myself as a person that really would have missed out if I hadn't have done that. So I think if, if it was someone else coming to me, just going, what do you think I should do? It's just like, well, what have you got to lose? You know, like I learned how to be vulnerable for the first time in my life. I learned how to ask for help as well, because like I said, I thought I knew everything and I was going to go to America and do all this amazing stuff. And it's just like, no, there needs to be so much support for you to make that jump and to commit to this so yeah I would just say look if you've got nothing else to lose just go for it tell me what New York was like I lived on dollar slices of pizza and the money ran out so fast I was like I saved all this money I had no idea so um, I was working for tips it was so working restaurants I was it was I can't even begin to describe what that city is to someone who comes from quite a small city in Perth in in Australia anyway so yeah again I think it was more of the life experience and act and then actually the acting you know training that I was doing I mean it all obviously worked in harmony together but it was just what I learned as a human and a young woman I just it has set me up for the rest of my life so far. Um, But there's just so much excitement and 
there was just so many people around you saying, yes, go for it. You know, you've got this. We, I'm sure you might've heard of the tall poppy syndrome and we definitely have that here in Australia. Whereas in America, everyone's just so supportive of your dreams and your aspirations. And so I really felt that. Um, so yeah, it was just, it was so incredible and, you know, just entertainment left, right and center. So, you know, it was, you never felt alone in that city. Mm. So you mentioned, did you say tall poppy syndrome? Yes. So what is that? Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. So the tall poppy syndrome is basically when you've got a field of poppies growing and I don't know why they've even called, they've even sort of stipulated that it's a poppy, but when a poppy grows taller than everyone else in Australia, we deem them to be too good for everybody else or, you know, they're much better than you. So as a collective, we will try and peg that person back down again or bring them back down to earth and bring them back down to everybody else. And it's a horrible thing that we do, but we do it. So yeah, it's called the tall poppy syndrome. If you were to Google it, I think it would explain it a lot better than I am right now. But yeah, it's this whole idea of you can't be better than the collective or, you know, the norm. Um, So yeah, that's Mm. what that sort of idea is about. Interesting. And I mean, I wonder if that's just, yeah, like what the, what it's called in Australia, because I'm sure obviously that exists everywhere, I think. I'm trying to think what we would call it in Canada, probably just like being Canadian, you know, just keep the status quo. Yeah. But it's interesting because like, what's the end goal, right? Because if no one's allowed to shine higher than anyone else, nothing's going to get done nothing's going to be discovered yeah no it's interesting absolutely I don't know what the end goal is maybe it's to make you know everyone else feel better about I don't know mediocrity mediocrity is exactly the word I was looking for yeah yeah huh wow and yeah it's interesting because in a place like New York and I must and I think Hollywood would be very similar you're getting people who've done the same thing that you've done, right? Kind of, this is a tribe of people who said, or who said and thought, I can go here. And what do they say? If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Yes, you can do it. Just follow your creative dream. It's a bit nutty, but who cares? What have you got to lose? Like you said, it's not like you're trying to maintain world peace with your art, but it's still very meaningful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you're in New York. What happens then? What brought you back to Australia? Or a was visa. there what happened in between? <laughs> a visa. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Let's be honest, it's those four letters, visa. Most of the time when Australians want to go to the US, the only thing that brings them home is either a visa or money, and probably a combination of both. Right. Yeah. I yeah. think it's the same in Canada too for when, when we get all the Aussies on their gap year. Yeah. Yeah. They come and do their two years and then you're Aww. just like, okay, go now. Yeah. But, but yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was pretty much it. But look, it wasn't all bad. I mean, I came back to Australia and just sort of threw myself into doing more acting classes and really starting to find my people and my community of actors as well, because I really, I hadn't established that before I left. So, you know, I, done this training and I'd learned, had all of this life experience. And so I really sort of sought out different coaches and different classes to attend and really just sort of sunk my teeth into those. And then, you know, not too much longer after I got back, I got an agent. So I started to audition and then, oh my God, that's just a whole nother thing. Um, And so that kind of just 
then you start to get to know the casting directors and auditioning and then you might book a couple of things and you're just like, okay, great. You know, if I can, I can make something of myself here. But yeah, the dream was always to go back and it's just, it's been a few years now. That's great. What has been, so we've heard rumors about the film industry in Australia really doing well during the pandemic. What has that been like for you over the last couple of years? Lots more opportunity to be seen because, and again, like where I am in Australia is right over the other side and Australia is a big country. Mm. Um, but yeah, what I We did, always forget that. It's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, it's the same with you guys, right? Um, so yep. <laughs> a lot of, no, not a lot of, some actors all flocked to Brisbane or the Gold Coast, which is where sort of Marvel set themselves up, a few other studios or a few other productions set themselves up as well, which was really fantastic. But on the flip side of that, Melbourne and Sydney were always the hubs for us in terms of any sort of production and filming going on. And, you know, Melbourne, the city itself, it was in lockdown for, I believe, more than most cities around the world in terms of Mm. like, I think, I don't know how many hundreds of days they were in lockdown, not all together, but over the course of the last two years. And so a lot of production got shifted elsewhere. And so some stuff actually came to WA. So again, it's just having that opportunity to be seen. And, you know, we weren't just filling quotas now. We were actually just like, well, we have to film in WA or we can't get talent out of Melbourne because they've either had COVID or they need to isolate or what have you. So, you know, that was really fantastic. And I had friends that moved to the Gold Coast in Brisbane. And even if they weren't booking major roles, I think that was more for the names. They were still getting bit parts here and there and actually just spending so much time on set around, you know, Hollywood like capabilities and productions and you know we just don't get that over here so it was a real for some of my friends who really took advantage of that it's just been phenomenal for them I think Canada had a similar thing as well too and I love what you just said about it no longer has become filling quota because we have that in Canada too right if you have a a certain amount of people who are Canadian on your film set they get massive tax benefits so they want to fill that but yeah the pandemic opened it up to say oh yeah we need to fill our quota but also we need to we need to hire these actors because they're in Canada and isolated oh there's actual talent here what we don't need to ship them in from Hollywood yeah yeah that's exactly what happened so that was great you know we all had to learn how to better audition you know through self-tapes and things like that which we just never relied on or we we didn't really have to rely on that before. So our skill set was growing as well. So, yeah, I mean, yes, a lot of us lost work and I understand that and that was really difficult, but it just allowed us more opportunities in the long run. Mm, that's great. It's great to hear. Yeah. And do you think that's going to continue? Does it, is it feeling like it's going to keep growing? Uh, I believe so. I mean, I can't speak for the industry in Brisbane myself. Um, I still know that there's lots of stuff going on. Um, I have signed up to a few newsletters from some of the bigger productions or like um, the magazines that sort of announce new projects that are happening. I believe Kardashian and Pete Davidson are on their way over here to film something. So (laughs) there's always some stuff coming, like not Perth, please. No, not not this far. Um, But, you know, there's always stuff happening in 
Australia. And I do believe, you know, the landscape also helps us quite a bit as well. You know, we have these Mm. beautiful, vast areas of the country that just you never see on TV or on movies. So I think that people are taking advantage of that scenery. Um, And we've got space. We've got all the space in the world over here. So why not? Why not? That's such a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, what have you found, you know, having come into acting, I don't want to say like later in life, that sounds awful, but like having not gone through like the theater school route or direct route that a lot of actors go through, what have you found you brought in from say your university days or even from the time when you were kind of discouraged and told not to go into acting have you found any skills that you've been able to pull in now that you've been able to use to advance your career yeah um I think part of that question is a hundred percent agree with you that you know starting acting training at 25 is definitely later in life if you think of a female in this industry right and there was a lot of there was a lot of those first few years that I just felt so I guess disgruntled by the industry and I'm just like what the hell am I doing there are girls that have been working on this at 12 and 13 and they knew that that's what they wanted to do their parents were on board you know you read or you watch your true Hollywood stories and you hear about the girls that were in my age bracket right and they there was a journey for them and they were getting roles years before I even contemplated getting back into it so there was a huge part of me that was just like I'm wasting my time and I'm too old at 25. But then on the flip side of that is that, yeah, you do have girls who have been doing this maybe since 15, right? And so their 10 years was before my 25. And if you kind of haven't made it and made it is so different to every different actor in terms of what making it is to them. But there were some of these girls that I was coming into auditions with and I was so excited to be in the room and even being seen for a role. But this might have been their hundredth audition that they've done in their lifetime. And if they hadn't booked things, if they hadn't been seen as successful in their own eyes, they were getting tired and they were kind of getting to that stage in their life where they're just like, hang on a second, you know, I've given this a good hot go. It hasn't worked out for me the way I wanted it to. So maybe I need to start looking at something else security, stability, all of that sort of stuff. And I don't ever want to, you know, dishearten people when I do this, but I guess it's just what we're, we're fed early on. And that security is get a good job and then you tick off all the boxes, right? And you follow in the footsteps of your mum and dad. So I'm sorry, that's very disrespectful. And I, I do apologize. But I think for me coming into it later in life, you know, there were girls, so if there was a role going for like a 28 to a 32-year-old, I was kind of like fresh and really excited and just really, I was just so, I was so excited to be even considered that I think I just, I bought in that enthusiasm, whereas some of the girls are just like, cool, I'm, I'm done, I'm on my way out, I'm doing this because my agents told me to. So I guess there was, there was this huge blessing on the other side of it as well. And like, even now when I'm in my mid thirties, it's just like, there are some really juicy roles on offer and they're not the leads, but you know, the best friend role or, or the nursing roles or things like that. There's some real meat to these characters. And so I'm really excited to sink my teeth into it and build my skills and build my credits that way. So it actually has been a real blessing. 
I agree with you. And I feel like, at least like for me, I've kind of said to myself, like acting is something I want to do and will do for the rest of my life because it's interesting. I don't expect it to pay my bills right now, maybe in the future, sure. But telling myself, I'm not doing this just solely to make an income. I'm doing it because it's interesting and I love to do it. And even when it gets frustrating, I'm just going to keep telling myself, no, you, you're going to do this for the rest of your life because it's fun and you like it. It takes the pressure off. And oh, yeah. I agree. It brings in that enthusiasm. Totally agree. And I think just going off, excuse me, the second part of your question in terms of like what skills may you have brought from university days or what have you. And I think even the opposite of that for me is true. So doing Mm -hmm. acting and learning that craft and now, you know, again, I just, I wanted some stability for my life and I sort of flipped the narrative. So acting now became like my hobby or my side hustle And I love it. So every time an audition comes in, I get so excited that I put, I get to stop and put all of my energy into it. And so I think in the email, I said, I coach people about how to have confidence on camera and public speaking and getting to bring, you know, the real truth of the words that you're saying. And so I'm bringing my acting training into that. But what I've also realized on the flip side of that is like everything that I'm learning in business, it's like, it's always about that customer and that one person. And it just, that reminds me when you're in a scene with someone, really your sole intention is your scene partner Mm -hmm. and just looking them straight in their eyes and just being like, what do you need to know? Or what do I need from you? And so it's just been this beautiful marriage of doing business and bringing that creative acting side, but then also reminding myself that in business, it is that focus is about the other person And just reminding myself every time I go back into a scene, it's just like, what do they need from me? Like, what, what, what is the problem in this scene or what do we need to overcome? What's the challenge? And so it's been fascinating to kind of have that all kind of sink in. Yeah. Do you have any advice that for anyone who's interested in starting acting later on or is struggling with that aspect of it? that almost like selflessness yeah. of seeing the other person. Yeah. advice. I really loved what you said before about you have no pressure on acting to be anything. Mm-hmm. It's about fun. It's about being interesting to you. It's about picking up a piece of script or a play and just going, I get to have fun with this. And this is a real privilege of mine rather than, mm-hmm oh my God, I've got to do all of this homework and I've got to make sure that I look perfect. And, you know, every time I walk into an audition for something, I've got to be exactly what they think I need to be. And it's just like, no, what they actually really want is for you to bring in all that juicy life experience that you've had in your past life and bring that to the character and see what happens then. And so a hundred percent, it's about not putting pressure on acting to be anything but just the joy of telling stories for a living. And I mean, it's crazy to think that that's what we get to do. But yeah, I think now that I've flipped it and it's just like acting gets to be joyous. It just changed everything for me. I can, yeah, I, 
I know I struggle with bringing the joy in because I focus so much on the logistical side of say the script or the script breakdown. And I would love your, not only your acting opinion, but your coaching opinion yep. on, or just advice on how to, again, cause a lot of people I've talked to have, and I know I say this every episode and I know I say, I say this every episode, but a lot of us have this logical brain because that's what had us have a job that wasn't acting first. And now we're in an acting career and struggling with trying to bring the joy in and the real in because my, I know for me, my logical brain is just saying, get all the words right for the script, get everything down perfectly, be exactly what you think they want you to be. And that logistics is overriding the flow. Do you have, like, what are your thoughts on that as both, not only an actor, but as a coach? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the intelligent actor is always going to be the hardest one to work with. And I <laughs> 100% agree with you. I've been the same. Um, and you need to, you've got to take the perfectionism out of it and from mm. the get-go because it will make it'll take that joy away completely. Um, But one of the most fascinating stories I ever heard was actually of um, an an Australian actor here and he went for a role in Smoking Aces and I'm not sure if you've ever seen that film. Um, Mm -hmm. But the role was playing like a Russian bodyguard. So way up in the penthouse and it's, oh God, I can't remember his name. Who was the lead character in Smoking Aces? Who was also in. Yeah. No, 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 no. You do. It's there. He Uh. was also in um, Entourage as the agent. Oh. Anyway, they were all, they were his bodyguards. So Joel, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah. So Joel is the actor in Australia. And so I've heard this story, not through him directly, but it was from an acting coach of mine. And so he was given this script, right? And so he was reading this script and his, his analytic brain was just going, oh, the words aren't sounding right. And he was given a brief that he needed to be this big buff bodyguard looking guy. And at the time, Joel was sort of he wasn't just starting out, but he was really start. He was still small. He wasn't this big buff guy that we know him to be now. And so he's looked at the character breakdown and he's looking at the script and the script is just like not making any sense to him whatsoever. And he was about to call his agent back and say, look, I can't, I can't do this. Like this, this character is not me at all. But then he really wanted to work with the director. So he's just like, far out. What am I going to do? And then so he just started to unpack it and he just let his imagination run wild with it. So he was looking at the script and like the the dialogue just was really disjointed. And he's just like disjointed, disjointed. Why would my dialogue be disjointed or not have flow? And he's like, okay, well, maybe, maybe English is not my first language. And so he's like, okay, well, he sounds like European or Eastern European. And he's just like, look, I couldn't brush up on my Russian accent if I had to. And so we worked on that. He's just like, that makes more sense because it's very stop, start, staccato style. And so we did that. And he's just like, okay, great. Well, I'm a beanpole and I'm supposed to be this bodyguard. And so he's just like, okay, great. Well, if my body size and my figure is what I've got. How can I make him feel like he's scary? He's like, great. Well, I've decided that the Russian accent's going to stay. I really like that choice. He's like, well, every time you see like a Russian skinhead, 
in the matching tracksuit, Adidas tracksuit. He's just like, you would never walk past them in the street in a million years. You would cross the street to stay away from these guys because they just have this aura about them that's terrifying. And he's just like, oh, yeah. And they're skinny. They're not, they're not big, muscly guys, but they just have this energy about them that if you cross them and if you, did the, if you looked at them the wrong way, they'd pull a knife on you or something like that. So he just let his imagination run wild. And I'm sitting here listening to this story just going, oh, my God. And so – he went into the audition and he did it as what he thought they wanted. And he was just like, but I've got a, I've got a different take on this character. And the director's like, yeah, cool. All right. Hit me with that. And so he did his Russian accent. He'd cut a bowl cut. So he'd like skinned the sides and he just had like this like flattened down Russian style. He'd put on this tracksuit pants so matching tracksuit set with the stripes down the side and he just took on this character and the director's mouth just dropped to the floor and he's just like that's what I want that you've just taken this character it's not what we wrote in our character brief at all like you've just made it your own and that is the character that you see in Smoking Aces he's in a matching Adidas tracksuit pants he's got the um, Russian accent so he went analytical and then he just went this isn't helping me I'm about to let go of this opportunity altogether and he just let his imagination go And that would be the thing that I would definitely suggest to yourself or anybody else. It's just like, great, let's take, let's take the intelligence out of this. It's not going to help you. Let's bring more imagination into it. Like, let's just go crazy and let's just come up with some random things because sometimes it's that risk that really pays off or the director or the casting director is just going to be like, okay, I never thought of that in a million years for that character. But also sometimes the director doesn't know what he's looking for until he he or she sees it. Mm. So that's yeah, yeah, great. Sorry, I totally interrupted you there. It's okay, no, no, no I'd finished. It was fine. <laughs> it's funny. I was thinking about what I've now done, and this sounds silly. And it was an acting coach and an acting friend of mine who's helped me with this. Yeah. With because. Like as we get older, we all know this, right? We lose that childlike play aspect of ourself, right? You know, when you were a kid, you could just um, play to abandon and, you know, you were the princess in the castle. You weren't just pretending it. You were. You were her. And you were her. And what I've started doing is because my intelligent, intelligent logical brain turns on whenever the camera turns on and I go, "Eh," is my acting coach just goes, okay, let's do it. So we tape it. She goes, great. Now you have one and it's perfect. You have a take. You have it. Now let's just go crazy. And like exactly what you're saying, let's just do something bananas, like completely change the character's intention, change her voice, change whatever, exactly what your friend did. But for me, it was knowing that there was a safety already done because I needed to have that like perfect take that had the words right, how I thought the director would want it. Now that's done. And now the pressure's off and I can just do whatever I want. I'm hoping as I mature into whatever actor I decide I become, I will constantly be able to just play. But for now, that's what I need. And it's been so helpful. And the what, hearing that story about your friend, I, the whole time I'm thinking, man, that sounds like it was so much fun. 
Yeah. And look, I wish I could claim that Joel Edgerton was a friend of mine, but he is not. He is a phenomenal <gasps> actor. It's okay. I wish he was because I love him um, and I love the, what he's done with his career. But I just loved the freedom he allowed himself and yeah. he allowed himself to go to that silly place because that's how he could make sense of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know the number of times that I've messed up in the room on the day for an audition and they laughed and maybe they were laughing at me, but then they realized that I don't take myself too seriously and I took mm-hmm. their notes and I made it work for me. And I booked that role because they're just like, we want, we want the person that made the mistake because that's the human that's not the perfect yeah. actor that we've got a hundred women coming in today and 99 of them have all just done it the same. You stuffing it up and catching yourself when you fell and stayed in the moment and stayed listening to the reader. That's what we wanted. So mm. I encourage people to stuff up all the time, all the time. But yeah, I love that one. It's just like, cool. We've got one for safety. Now I just want you to go for it. Just try just something different. Mm-hmm. So yeah. do you have any besides the story you just tell me do you have any um fun or crazy memorable on set stories from your time yeah so I was thinking about this question it's actually my (laughs) very first job that I ever booked as an actor and it was for a KFC ad now I'd never done a tv commercial before in my life and uh, I'd never done an eating thing ever So, you know, knowing that there were spit buckets and, you know, you had to make sure that the piece of chicken was like perfect on the side of the camera and, you know, just like there was just so many moving parts. And I'm just like, what am I doing? And we had, I had children for this particular ad. And so we weren't rolling sound. So we could talk to them and try and keep them occupied. Now, all they were doing, these two boys were like grabbing at my piece of chicken because they were just little boys and they just wanted to eat something, not knowing what the hell was going on around them. And so because they, I could just hear the director just going, just keep going, just keep picking up another piece of chicken, just make sure it looks perfect. I've got these two boys like jumping all over me, grabbing at my food. And so we were rolling. I actually had to swallow quite a lot of chicken. And so by the time they yelled cut, I'd swallowed everything by then. I've never felt so sick in my entire life. Um, It was encouraged that maybe I'd like to go and throw up in the bathroom during the lunch break. And I'm just like, I'm. So that was probably the most, that was the worst thing that's ever happened. So if that's the worst thing, I've done pretty well, but it was just full on. And I've never eaten KFC since. So. (laughs) I bet. Oh my gosh. I never think about the people in the commercials who have to eat all the stuff. Of course you would have to. Yep. Look, it's fine if you take a bite and then once they get that action shot of, uh, you know, then you, there's a, there's a bucket. There's literally a bucket at your feet. If if your, the full length shot is not involved and you will spit it out. And then there will be someone in the crew that will come and take that away from you. It's just, (gasps) it's, it's mental what people do for you when you're on set for things. I'm just like, can yeah. I help you move that? And they're just like, no. I was like, can I help you do? No. Like as an actor, it was so hard for me just to stay there and not do anything. So, sorry, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, by the time we yelled cut, I'd had swallowed everything. Otherwise, like my cheeks were like building up. <laughs> this is going to look horrible. But that's the worst. That's the worst I've ever oh had. So I'm God. pretty, I'm pretty good. Yeah. 
Uh, you had mentioned at the very beginning about your parents and your family. How would you say your parents, loved ones, guardians now describe what you do for a living? So I think it was after the third or fourth job that I'd booked as an actor that my dad finally got it. And he's just like, right, okay, cool. She's making this work for her. She's booking work. Um, You know, I, that just made it easier for him to accept that not only was I good at it, I was going to be okay doing it as well. Mm. And so from then on, you know, I'll hear from someone where we used to live and they'll be like, oh, your dad told us you were on this show. And I'm just like, oh, it's just that really beautiful moment. So I think, you know, they do, they get it now. They really do understand what it is that I'm doing. Uh, If someone asks what Jackie's up to, then they're just like, oh, you know, she's an actor and she's a voiceover artist. And then, you know, as I'm slowly starting to build my business, they'll say she coaches other people about being on camera now. So it's nice for them to get it because for a long time, it's just, you know, especially when as an, you know, you say, oh, I'm an actor. And then it's just that first dreaded question afterwards. It's like, so have I seen you in anything? And like for those first couple of years, you're just like, no. (laughs) Or it's just like, what restaurant are you working in? I was like, stop it. Um, Yeah. But it's just, it's nice. It's nice now when someone asks you that question and I think they're expecting you to say, oh, nothing yet or just like a a short film or something. It's just like, yeah, so I've done this and I've done this and actually on TV at the moment, I've got this ad and this ad. And if you're listening to radio, you've probably heard that ad as well. And then it's just shock. So I I really love those moments. I just love them so much. Just like, yes, Mm -hmm. actors can make a living from this and they can do it really, really well. So, but it's just nice. It's just nice just to like, "Eh, I told you. Well, and you've worked really hard for it. Yeah. So, yeah, that makes it even more, I think. So satisfying. (laughs) So satisfying, yes. And I think for the most part, I don't want to talk about like I know this is generalization generalizing parents but I think you know you and I are of a similar vintage I think I'm a I mean I'm a higher of a vintage but I think our parents are probably the same vein right where they like are genuine people who want us to be safe and secure and I think you know we were at the I remember that I was kind of at this weird time in like Canadian history where our parents were saying, go do whatever you want to do because they didn't have the opportunity to do that. But also there was that overlying like, but not everything because yep. you need to have financial security. But there was it came from a genuinely kind place and a w- place of worry, which I think is all parents want is for their kids to be like happy and safe and secure. Um, but I think the emphasis is on safe, secure. <laughs> like the happiness part. Yeah, so that's... That's lovely. It's lovely to hear that. Yeah. I think you just really, you have to persevere through those uncomfortable conversations. And I Mm. have had them and I have had suggestions of what else I should be doing. You know, I think drama teacher was, you know, thrown up as an option. And I'm just like, I don't know. Like, yes, now I love doing it for friends when they're auditioning for things and I'll help them with self tapes. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And I really get into that, but I'm not teaching curriculum and I'm not at a school five days a week. And I'm not, you know, Mm -hmm. I, that was never of interest of mine. Um, but for those who 
are listening and are having, it's really about having those conversations. And again, I just, I wish we were taught how to communicate at school. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I was ever taught how to have a conversation without the fear of being judged for what I was going to say, or I'm an emotional person. So that idea of conflict would always come up. And it's like, I always preempted what the conversation was going to be about before I even let it happen. And so I think that really stopped me and it really stifled me from having those conversations with my parents. It's just like, instead of saying, mum and dad, I love you. This is what I want to do. I need you to support me for the next little while while I figure it out. And once, you know, maybe you put a time on it or maybe there will be a moment when you just go, actually, I tried this and it's fun and I'm going to keep it as a hobby and I'm going to, you know, we've got some short film festivals or like short um, theatre festivals here in Perth. It's like, cool, maybe I just do that every year and that just keeps that fire burning for me in terms of that creative outlet. But you know what, maybe I do need to focus in on doing something else to make sure I'm paying my bills or saving for the future or whatever that needs to be. But yeah, I just really wish that I'd had more confidence in myself to be able to express myself at a younger age, to be like, cool, mom and dad, this is what I want to do. And if it works, then great. And I think, yeah, I think that the idea of, yeah, having a conversation that is conflicting And realizing that that's actually a healthy thing to do and, you know, seeing in your conversation partner them disagreeing with you, but that is okay and you as the person doesn't need to resolve the – be the peacekeeper – that's something that I know I struggle with. And yeah, it would have been really nice to have been taught how to do to be like, yeah, conflict is inevitable and and can be a lovely part of life because that's just what happens when you have two human beings having a conversation, but not automatically being triggered into that. Like they're disagreeing with me. This isn't good. Oh, must peace keep. And just like keep a level playing field. Yeah. That's so interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I don't even know how you would teach that. But no, I, I don't agree. Or, like, you know, even the art, yeah, even just learning the art of compromise. It's just like, okay, Ugh. you know, it, it doesn't have to be conflict. It's you, like you just said, it's like, yes, my dad's opinions of what I should do for a living and mine are going to be very, very different. But it's like, cool, where's the compromise? Mm. Where can we meet each other halfway? Be like, cool, you support me through this and let's just see how we go. And if by age whatever it's not working out, then sure, I will endeavor to find another path or we'll we will come back to this conversation then and be like cool what have I learned what do I need to check like you know and all that sort of stuff so yeah oh I just wish I was taught that in school and the feeling that even if somebody disagrees with you their feelings are valid and your feelings are valid but like you're saying compromise how do we you know, agree to to disagree and uh, yeah, it's tricky. I think the the whole world would be a completely different place if we all learned how to do that. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast episode, right? Oh there. my gosh, I know, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Is there anything that you are looking forward to coming up this year? There are a couple of things in post production at the moment that I'm really excited for, um, but I think as you might know in this industry sometimes like we were so quick to get a script down for a short film that I helped co-produce and acted in we were so quick to get that written to get a crew on board to film like we had all of that done within 
I think six weeks of deciding that we were going to put something together. It's the post-production that can just take a while. And, Mm. you know, when you're trying to do things on a shoestring budget and for the cheap or for free or whatever, it's just like any time that our sound engineer or our color grading or editor got paid work, of course we'd want them to go and do that because everyone's going to eat. So it's just like things that we were expecting to happen are sort of getting delayed and delayed. And so I guess that's just sometimes that's the most frustrating thing about this industry. Everything can happen like that and then everything just takes another year after you've completed things, but that's okay. Um, But I'm really excited for that. I'm really enjoying more of the coaching and the directing side of acting, not to say that I'm not loving. I did an audition for something the other day and I just had so much fun with it. And it was probably the first time that I can just be like that was a great audition and I had so much fun and I was able to walk away from it and just be like cool whatever happens is in the hands of the acting gods now but I think I've now filled my life with so many other incredible things that I get to do every day that I've taken that pressure off again it's just like that audition is not the be all and end all of my day or my week but maybe five years ago it was and I made it means so much about my self-worth or my ability to be an, a good actress. And it's just like, no, there are just so many things against you once you send that audition tape. Maybe I'm not tall enough. You know, maybe my hair color's not right. Maybe my chemistry with the lead actor that they've already booked because he's a name isn't right. And it's just like, great. Well, I would only want the best for the production because that's what sustains mm-hmm. our industry. Because if I get booked and I'm not right for it, then I'm going to look bad but then so is the rest of that production. And I don't ever want that for people in my industry. So it's just like, cool, that's not for me, but something further on will be. So that is a fantastic perspective. Otherwise, you're you're just waiting for that email or that call from your agent, or you've submitted something and you're waiting for feedback. And it's just like, guess what? It's not going to come. And I can either really just bring myself down or I can be like great what play do I get to read this week and what character do I get to play on and just for fun so yeah I guess and look I've had to learn this the hard way don't get me wrong I can sit here and preach all I like but I've been through those really low moments where you don't get anything for six months and those are horrible so I just want people to know that those things can happen And it's what you fill in around in your life that's really going to help you through those times. But yeah, just being really grateful for opportunities that you don't get because then when you do get something, you're just going to be like, yeah, cool. And so instead of like going up and down, you're just like, yeah, I've got a really great career and I'm really happy and life's really good whether I get that job or not. I love that perspective. I love the idea of you us, me, not getting the job and it being a benefit for the production because if you had gotten the job and weren't right for it, like thinking about our entertainment community as a whole in Canada and Australia, wow, that's a fantastic perspective. I love that. More about a community. What uh, I'm a huge fan of RuPaul's Drag Race. Like, <laughs> yes, obsessed. <laughs> Not a huge fan. I'm obsessed. And I think a couple of seasons ago, Anne Hathaway came on as a judge. She was just on the screen. She wasn't live. But I think it was for an acting challenge. And one of the girls had asked her a question. And she's just like, I was, I think she said, I was their 12th choice for the Devil Wears Prada. 
Now, could you imagine that film with any other actress other than Anne Hathaway? But she was nowhere near their first or, like, I'm pretty sure she said 12. It was either – it was somewhere between 8 to 12th choice. So just imagine, like, these incredible films in our history and what we just get to love and – you know, have cult status and things that we remember and things that we quote, like sometimes the first few actors were not the right fit. And so it wasn't until Anne came along or she re-auditioned or someone said no or because of time clashes or whatever it is, just like then we got this most incredible performance from her and it's just like this is what this industry is all about and you've just got to be like, yeah, cool. It was meant to be for her and, yeah, whatever is meant for you will never pass you. And so that's only something I've learned in the last 12 months. And that sounds super woo, but I 100% agree with it. I agree with it too. I'd been told once uh, from an acting coach, maybe it was a director, I can't remember, but the part was already for you if you got it. Like when you submit your tape and you get the role, it was already going to be you. Like it was already yours. What a what a great thing to think about. Yep. And if it if you don't get the role, it was never yours to begin with. Yep. Yep. I love that. I love that. Again, it takes pressure off. It takes the logic, it takes the logistics out of it. Yep. So just have fun. Yep. It's already there for you. If you're going to get it, you'll get it. Yeah. Do you have any final words of wisdom? Oh. <laughs> No pressure. (laughs) No pressure. No. I was recently coaching a young actress, um, and I say young because she's younger than me, so she's young, Uh, but she's getting to acting later in life as well. So she's starting at 27, and she's done a few courses here and there, but she does have her full-time job. And so, you know, I, I asked her why she wanted to be an actor, and it's always... It's just, it's this first answer that I get, they're just like, I want to tell stories or I want to get out of my comfort zone or I want to, you know, embody this character. And I'm just like, yeah, cool. But why? Oh, um, because, you know, I'm really shy as a person or I'd really like to try it and be like, okay, cool. But why? And just deep diving. And I do this with a lot of my coaching students, but I also do it with choices that I'm making with my own acting And getting to the crux of it, because when people go, I want to be a storyteller, I'm just like, okay, well, great. Well, you can be a writer and be a storyteller. You can play music and be a storyteller. You can be a photographer and be a storyteller. Like, what is it about acting that you really want? Because a lot of times people kind of really go to those questions and have to think about it. And they're just like, maybe a lot of times acting is for ego, And it's about Mm. fame and it's about money and it's about being known and being seen and being maybe some things that they never got in childhood. And again, whole different podcast episode there, but they use acting as an outlet for all of those things that they maybe don't have in life. And that's for the wrong reasons to get into acting. You know, I want to take a character out of a play and I want to know how she thinks and why she thinks that way. And if she puts on clothing in the morning, why does she choose that? And what, like, what does that say about her as a human being? Like, these are all the reasons why I want to be an actor. And, you know, I want to give a voice to those characters that are not mainstream, but they do affect so many people in our community. But because 
and again, white privilege or whatever that looks like, I'm so grateful that we're getting into more diverse roles and getting into those cultures that are not mainstream and we're getting to learn so much about so many other people. Um, But it's about uncovering all of those gems that we just never get to see or hear about. I mean, that's why I love to get into acting, but I always say with my students that I've not worked with before, it's like, why, 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 why? And just go deeper and deeper again, because sometimes they're just like, oh, hang on a second. Maybe that's, that's a bit harder than I thought, because acting is not easy. Otherwise, everyone would be doing it. (laughs) Yes. And it takes a type of human being to go to the depths of characters and find like you can't. It takes a lot for a person to pick up a script and their character is a serial killer and for you to not to judge that person. It's just like, what brought them to this point? What in your life could you possibly mirror that made you believe that you were just so angry or so furious or so, you know, disgruntled with the world that it took you to a place where you had to take someone else's life? Like, it is not easy to go to those places. Um, So it's not for everyone. And I really do work with people at the very beginning just to make sure that they know what they're getting themselves into and different acting teachers will tell you different things but there are parts of the human psych that you have to go to to do this and it's not therapy but it's the work and the work is hard so just making sure you really want it Thank you everyone for tuning in and thank you Jackie for being my guest this week. Links on how to contact her if you're interested in any of her coaching services are down below but also if you want to just follow her on social media because she's such an incredible actress and voiceover artist, 100% check her out. Thank you again Jackie for sharing your story and I hope maybe one day you'll be able to eat KFC again. (laughs) Thank you everyone for tuning in and I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye!